Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Three Stooges, gotta be on 91.3 WYSO. That signals the latest edition of Filmically Perfect, right here on 91.3. We're joined, as always, by the film guys. Live in the studio, we have George Willeman, the film archivist for the Library of Congress. George, good morning. Good morning. Or afternoon, whenever or this whatever. is. Whatever, I lost track so late. Speaking of morning, it is morning where Jay Todd is out in Los Angeles. Jay Todd Anderson, storyboard artist for the Cohen Brothers, and as we speak, for George Clooney working out there very hard. Good morning, Jay Todd. Hello, Nikki Dakota. I'm officially three years young, or excuse me, <laughs> three hours. Three hours younger. Speaking of new and old and uh, young, indeed, we uh, have come together on this. I have to tell you. Um, Red Letter Day for Filmically Perfect, as this is, of all the amazing movies that we have reviewed so far, um, Three Stooges, Ache and Every Steak, don't like it, don't care for it one bit. Well, come on now, <laughs> you malcontent. You're a, you're a, hey, that just goes to show you that we, we do not play favorites, man. Our form is 100% in all directions when we're picking movies. Here. Well, on that note, um, it's not like you guys just pick them out of the, you know, the, the clear blue sky. You actually have rules, and I'm, I'm going to have to put your feet to the fire on exactly how it measures up. But uh, how do you decide? Well, George hit him with rule one. The first one is they create the world they exist in. And they wholly sustain that world. And regardless of changes in society, they retain their meaning and entertainment value. These are the perfect films on our list, and at no time are they ever measured numerically greater than another film on the list. They're all equal in their own scale. Hence, the Three Thuges 20 Glorious Minutes of Comedy. It's amazing that a film this short would have made your list, but... Um, it's a film. Yeah, we actually have some that are shorter. Yeah, really? There's some cartoons. We have some cartoons? cartoons on the yeah. list that are only about eight or nine yeah. minutes. Well, all right. Let's start with the first one. How in the world does this sustain or create the world that it uh, inhabits? Well, we're sure glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they cre- anybody that that knows the Stooges short knows they create everything in their world, and it's always guaranteed to be over the top. You never have to worry about reality sinking in anywhere in these little pictures, you know. That's definitely true. Right. I mean, the creation of it as far as, you know, taking these three complete knuckleheads and, and giving them dangerous jobs that involve uh, sharp objects and, <laughs> and firearms. Now, and, and the it, fact that the people around them never really seem to notice right off the bat, hey, these guys are morons. Yeah, and they've been <laughs> in, in, in hundreds of films, too. <laughs> okay, I have a couple questions. First one is, are they actually brothers, or all of them, and that includes um, all the extraneous ones? Well, the three that were brothers were uh, Moe, 
Curly and Shemp were three brothers. Their name, the original last name was Horwitz, and they took Howard as their stage name. Um, Larry and Curly Joe and Joe were not related to any of them or to each other. But yeah, the three; those were the three brothers. Yeah, the two were interchangeable, Shemp and Curly. Jerome Horowitz was Curly's real name. Because yeah. he had straight hair, of course they call him Curly. Well, you know, if you see him in anything anything else besides the Stooges shorts, you wouldn't really recognize him. But his character is so personified as the character he created as one of the Stooges that he's indelibly etched in our minds as Curly, you know? So, uh, and nothing replaces him. Nothing. It's true. It's true. In fact, um, later on in the show, we're going to be hearing a song that, against all odds, was a huge hit in the 80s, The Curly Shuffle. And this is, you know, 40 years after the movie, for example, that we're talking about. Right. And yeah, they, that, that, just comes to, uh, that just comes into the realm of rule number three. <laughs> Regardless of changes in society, they retain their meaning and entertainment values. They I will are give still you that. on the shelves everywhere. I will give you that. It has had amazing staying power. Okay, now, just uh, quickly to sort of go over the action in this 17, 20 minute uh, short here, um, what exactly crazy Cucamonga series of events happens here? Well, basically, um, the the Stooges are given the job in this film of Icemen, and for those of you who are too young to know what Icemen are, they would actually go around and deliver blocks of ice to people who did not have electric refrigerators. Um, so on their still pretty prominent back in 1941. Some people amazingly, yes, ice. amazingly. Um, they they get to one house where the ice box is in the house, which is at the top of a tall flight of stairs, and they find of course great difficulty. <laughs> Absolutely, great difficulty um, in getting the block of ice up to the top now, of the stairs without it melting. Think about this, folks. Think about this. This is cinematic form here. Whenever you have a movie, you're always defying gravity with airplanes, Empire State Buildings, uh, all sorts of dramatic stuff. What do the Stooges pick? A set of stairs. <laughs> and they work that set of stairs gag until it bleeds, or else whether you're falling down laughing, you know, at the same time. A set of common stairs that go on forever. Well, and, and after, like, three attempts at getting the ice to the top of the stairs, Curly, of course, gets the brilliant idea of taking the ice box down to the ice wagon and putting the ice in it <laughs> and taking it back up, which, of course... Yeah, there's one point, my favorite one, where they run the ice up and through clever cinematic cutting, he gets to the top of the stairs and the ice is all melted. Right, right several times. And also, we should mention, uh, much as the, uh, the, the, the you'll shoot your eye out was the tie that bound uh, our, our Christmas story movie, the the man who's trying to get a cake, simple simple job for his own birthday party, is sort of the tie that binds this otherwise completely unrelated series yes. of This is the French connection in the movie. This is the Dada portion of the movie where, where the, the French guy keeps it going. Just when you think it's, it can't get any better, as I like to say, it gets even better. Well, and this also shows a sort of really classic old, old, old school uh, comedy construction. You know, when Vernon Dent, who's the man with the cake, first gets the cake from the baker. The baker says, you know, very plaintively, now be careful, it took me two days to make this, so you know, <laughs> you know. within like ten seconds. And sure enough, of course it's in a Stooges short, you know. <laughs> well, here comes Curly and knocks him into the cake, you know. These guys are the three horsemen of bad luck, and you know what's going to happen with, with, you know... Tragedy is always comedy with timing, you know, and it happens in these Stooges shorts with just with the out flaw. It just and but in a in a totally surrealistic fashion, after the total inept failure of getting the ice into the ice box, 
they uh, they run into the house at the top of the stairs to uh, escape from the the angry man with the cake all over his face, only to uh, interrupt this kitchen uh, kitchen uh, mechanics, the chef and and the and the uh, maid who are trying to prepare a dinner, upsetting the chef so he quits. The woman comes in, says, "Oh no, what am I going to do? I have this huge dinner party." And of course, Mo pipes up and says, "Oh, we'll fix the dinner for you." And she uh, inexplicably is like, "Okay." Yeah, and, the and ice men are, are going to make dinner. And, and the only one who's concerned about this is Curly, because when she says, "Can you cook a dinner?" He goes, "Can we cook a dinner?" And then Curly goes, "Can we?" You know? So of course they <laughs> and, go and about. This is, these are bourgeoisie folks, you know. These are the rich people they're picking on here. Yeah. This is this is you know this is the cerebral side of this element here. These people are very very well endowed. They have they're very wealthy money. and they're very wealthy and they're very dumb. I'll say. <laughs> I don't know how they got rich being that way. So, and they have one of the coolest dinner parties you ever see, which is, they've done it countless times in, uh, in Stooges shorts, but this, in my opinion, is the best example of, of dinner parties in the Stooges movie. So you're expecting everything to go kind of very badly, and then the um, because he's stuffed everything in the kitchen into the turkey. Right, curly like, yeah, and turkey. That's, it asks and, and for ingredients. And their vanity here. It says they're, a can of, right. Consuming their vanity. Right, see, because then, so he's poking all this stuff, including a, a whole can, literally can, can included, <laughs> of peas into the turkey, and I guess he loses some uh, some of his uh, he loses uh, his uh, he loses his ring and his watch. And the woman who's eating it assumes that this is a, a, a prize, prize from the yeah. host. You know how bizarre. But I think my favorite thing is he gets his watch back and he goes, "Where's the stem?" And he goes digging through her stuffing to find the little winder <laughs> stem on it. We're talking about an ache. I'm telling you, man, that's some great, great writing. An man. ache in every steak uh, from 1941. Was it MGM put this out? No, it's Columbia. Columbia, Columbia doing this. this. All the Three Stooges were done at Columbia Pictures on Sunset and Gower. Yeah, that's one of the most amazing things about their longevity. They they started at they started at Columbia in 1934 and continued there pretty much uninterrupted until 1958. They were the last. I think they were the last series of two reelers being made. I mean, long after everyone else had gotten out of business. Tell me again the year, the year they started. I'm sorry. 1934. 34 through through say the end year again. 1958. So that's like 24 years of yep. doing this. And how many and how, how many shorts did they do, George? Oh gosh, I don't know the exact number, but I know it was probably over 200. You know, even when Curly had his stroke, um, which was they, that was on their 92nd yeah. picture. They had been they made 92nd. You know, uh, twenty-minute yeah, comedy. That was in 1947, and he had been uh, diagnosed with hypertension. Oh. And during the shooting of, of the last short he was in, uh, Mo in his in his biography says he saw his brother just sitting there, not doing anything. He went over to see what happened, and and, and Curly could not speak. And they rushed him to the hospital, and he'd had a major stroke from which he never recovered. Although he does appear, that. he does appear in one short later on. All his hair's grown back, and you cannot recognize him. He's a sleeping passenger. They take a uh, clip Aww. off his nose, and he does the the typical, you know, <laughs> snore. So and as him. I say, it's, it's really hard to when he gets when he has his hair all grown back. It doesn't look like the curly that we know. No. Does he actually? You say he does have curly hair? Truly? Yeah. Yeah. He. Oh, had, he did. Had sort of, okay. sort of curly. Not not like yeah. an afro or something like that, but just sort of curlish hair. It's filmically perfect and on ninety-one-three WYSO. We're talking about an ache in every stake. Speaking of which, he, the, his last, you know, that he just came back and did the sound thing. George took the time, Jay Todd, to go through this and just take the occurrences uh, where Curly made sound. Right. Because oh this, man, this is going to be good. One this of is Curly's really going to be good. One of Curly's big things was was sort of, and it came out of like a sort of a. Uh, not being so sure of himself with dialogue, 
he would he would sometimes just have these squeaks and grunts and groans. And so I went through and pulled out every occurrence of this. I don't know if we're going to play all. We'll play a bit of it and then we'll start talking over. But it's amazing. I call this the sounds of Curly. This movie is uh, it's Curly is just <laughs> making these noises. It's <laughs> <laughs> a comic original, man. And, and if anyone would like to hear this complete recording, I will try to put it up on our website so you can hear it. Yes. <laughs> so in listen. The, in the late, uh, you know, Nikki, in the late 60s and 70s, they re released these shorts for television for people who had UHS stations. They didn't have anything to play. And they would play these things around 4.30 after school, you know? And oh, they, yeah. They could, they could get three of them in an hour. Oh, yeah. They'd do three of them. And then they would have Curly in there, and and every kid on the playground back then, in their late 60s, early 70s, was imitating this guy. Everybody. And this was in 1969 to 73. And, and Even beyond that. And been out of out of commission for quite a while, but every kid imitated Jerome Horowitz, a.k.a. Curly. So think about definitely. Now, if we grant rule one, then we can also give it rule two. Um, and definitely, though, I'll have to give it to you on rule three, uh, definitely sustains its uh, meaning and uh, entertainment value. There's no question about that. I'll well, give you that. There's no argument there. None. <laughs> I think, the, you know, the what is the meaning of this film? It's just... <laughs> Why don't you tell us, George? Well, <laughs> I, there is no me. It's a film about nothing. No, that's already been used. Right. Um, no, it's just, it was just made to have fun. It's a 20-minute it's time killer that comes before the feature, and it's just a relaxing little, you know, fun run around the block kind of thing, and that's what it was then, and that's what it is now. Although, for a lot of people, it's kind of grown in stature. As, as JT was saying about coming home from school and watching these on television, even as a kid, I can remember, since at the beginning of each one of the shorts, you saw the faces of the Three Stooges in the opening title. If Curly was there, it was like, yeah. And if it was Shemp or Joe, it was yeah, like, that's right. oh, let's go see what's in the Shemp fridge. Not bad, but he just, it, Curly is hard to top, man. He is just so hard to top. Yeah, and the more, I, I found that the more you watch him, I mean, if you can watch one of the films and just watch his little actions and reactions, he was a very deft comic. Um, I mean, of sort of like the, the classic clown, uh, little things he does with his hands, little body movements. And from what I understand, he was an, an incredible ballroom dancer. I can imagine that he would be. We're talking about an ache in every stake, 1941, The Three Stooges on Filmically Perfect on WYSO. You know, um, I mean, 
they obviously did their own stunts. That goes without question. They mm-hmm. had not not only are they just having you know a crazy little mental uh, comedy rap going, but they were quite very physically funny. Did they come from the circus? No, they actually um, the the Howard brothers were in vaudeville from the early teens. I figured, and uh, and I think Larry also got into that. They they joined up together. The first time coming together, the three of them, which would have been the original, the original Stooges were actually Mo, Larry, and Shemp. Mo and Shemp were brothers, and, and Shemp Larry, brothers, and, and they Larry met in vaudeville. Met in vaudeville, and they came together with a straight man. His name was Ted Healy, and so it was Ted Healy and his three Southern gentlemen, oh. and they they appeared in vaudeville and then got onto Broadway, much like the Marx Brothers did in the late twenties, and then uh, broke into film in 1930 with a film called Soup to Nuts which was written by a, a famous cartoonist of the time, Rube Goldberg, whose name is still used today when they talk about a, a device that is overly complicated. They call it a Rube Goldberg device. <laughs> um, and amazingly enough, that film does survive. It wasn't supposed to, but, but Fox uh, discovered some elements on it, and it's out on DVD now. And it's really interesting to see them in 1930 before they had developed into the Three Stooges. They're actually a little rougher. <laughs> interesting. But, so... We have um, th- th- sort of the, the notion of brother and sister acts has been a longstanding one in performance, and I think particularly in vaudeville. And that back almost... in the early days before movies, the families were were really really tight when it came to performances because they they would travel a lot. You know, right. there's so many of them that were they broke into movies. You know, and before that, there was countless people who never broke into movies that were on the vaudeville trail all the time. Right. Well, and, I mean, you had brother acts like Marx Brothers yep. and the Ritz Brothers. And, uh, and and Clark and McCullough, who were from Springfield, although they weren't brothers, they, they were like boyhood friends from the age of nine, so they were like brothers. Um, Fred Astaire and his sister... This uh, is before television, folks. Yeah. Uh, were a brother and sister act, yeah. Before movies. Uh, this is what they had. So why... But, you know, Go ahead. Um, out of all the movies, I think that these guys did, uh, out of all of them, and there, there's a lot of them really great ones, for some reason, this ache in every steak, and George and I cannot figure out why they call it an ache in every steak, which even adds more to the surrealistic element. I spent right, way I, too I, much yeah. time wondering about that. <laughs> I tried to figure it out. I, There's not a steak in this thing. No. A, a few years ago, we were um, shooting Intolerable Cruelty in Los Angeles over in the Silver Lake area, and I saw those stairs, you know, and I just thought, ah, that's it, you know. That's oh, where that's they perform cool. those flawless gags, you know, in this 20-minute short that's still around. Right. And, and are it there, affects it, people, you know. Are there any Marx Brothers movies on your list? Oh, yeah. We got a few. Oh, okay. But these, you know, it's it's, it's really um, important to uh, to analyze both these guys because the Stooges hung on for a lot longer than the Marx Brothers did. And because they had figured out their format with absolute precise, uh, I mean, they, they do 20 minutes. That's what they do. 20 minutes perfectly, probably better than anybody else, even the television people that are on today at 22 minutes. But the Stooges had a way of, of taking 20 minutes and making it work. They always end. You ne- you're never disappointed with an ending in a Stooges picture. You know, sometimes everybody they gets what away. they deserve. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is surrealistic comedy to its absolute max. You I'll know? say. I can't, there's so many times pe- people be watching those shows where Curly's getting like a crowbar up the nose. <laughs> It's crazy. Nowadays, they have jackass, and they have these reality shows where they really do get hurt, maimed, and injured. Sort of like uh, they're picking up where the, the where the, uh, the three shooters left off, but they don't have any art about it. Time. You know, there's yeah. no well, art involved. And from what I've read in, in his biography, Mo says that the only time that he remembers someone actually got hurt 
is he was giving Larry a face slap and his ring caught on Larry's lip. But other than That's that, this out, of, this out of hundreds and hundreds of slaps. And, and you pokes. watch uh, uh, our favorite videos, the comp, you know, this week's home videos, home favorite videos. They're always somebody getting hurt or the classic, you know, getting getting it in the groin. Right, These are all falling on a pole. Implications right. of real pain. Why is it that it's funny for us to see other people? Because uh, it's befall. not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it is somebody else. <laughs> My okay. point is, is the Stooges, you never, you always knew they weren't getting hurt. It was completely over top. Nowadays, that just doesn't work anymore. You have to injure somebody, you know, on uh, on these, these, these crazy home video shows and everything. It's never funny unless somebody's really getting hurt. Uh, but the Stooges, you know, they, they, they set the rules right up front. Nobody's really getting hurt here, folks, you know, so. Okay, I have a question. Why then, of all the 200 films that uh shorts that the three stooges made why have you picked this one why an ache in every steak because it's a perfect movie <laughs> i i think one one of the reasons i really is it the only one no no I, no I, there there is others there are others that could probably fit just as well but i think this one for some reason it's almost inexplicable but this one really resonates with with me anyways i'm sure with jt also uh, we we both just, love it. We we could watch that short over and over and over again and laugh in the same place. It, it's somewhat. It, it almost approaches a surreal quality because some of the things that happen are just so weird, and other, some of the other ones are very sort of you know things just kind of happen. But in this one, it's like just it's like oddity upon oddity is piled up. You know, you have Curly with the ice block stuck on his head, <laughs> and and then you know bowling the milk bottles, and then the the whole thing about you know suddenly taking over and creating this dinner party. And and curly shaving the ice is, you know, that is very funny. And you're right about that. Shaving the ice and the way he moves his hands, because he goes, he goes, hey, go shave some ice, so blah blah blah. And so then he goes and literally lathers up the ice block. And he talks to him. Come here, you know. Yeah, I think my my favorite my favorite thing in that is where he goes. You know, he's talking to the ice block and he says, he says, make your face like this, and he contorts his face all up and he starts shaving. He goes, oop. He goes. Were you wearing a pink tie? No. Well, here's your lip. You know, and it's ew. <laughs> and how many people can take a block of ice and do that? You know, there's just not too many. It was masterful. I'll give you that. But really, and you're right about his movement, even just little flourishes of his hand. Clearly, he has. It's almost balletic, actually. Yeah. I mean, but, he's uh, a dancer. Cur- uh, Jerome Horowitz, Curly, was a dancer. Yeah, you get to see a little bit at the end. He dances with uh, this great actress, Simonia Boniface. Uh, where he's of course, of course, he can't just dance. He has to have a huge chair spring stuck on his back, yeah. which then which hooks to someone else. The, the poor really cake great. man. It's just so, stuff, man. so the tie that binds has been the gooey cake that that originally tries to uh, to buy gets another one to replacement. In both cases, it's smashed by the Stooges, and then the the short ends actually with a cake spot as right. well. Right? Yeah, because they have they have created their own cake, and of course, uh, <laughs> of course. Mo, Mo has made this just horrible cake that's breathing in the in the oven. Uh, and Larry pokes it with a fork, and uh, and it, and it deflates. deflates. So of course, of course, naturally, they think, well, we'll just fill it up with gas from the stove. They unhook the pipe unhook the fitting stove. and poke it in and blow it back up. And of course, uh, Curly in ch- stage world, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. You just can't wait for it. Because to what do you do to a birthday cake? You put you fire put candles on, on it. it. <laughs> and Vern Dent goes to blow out the cake, and it explodes. <laughs> and there you have your. And what's really interesting mom. is if you look at that explosion. Uh, it's it's interesting because you know today if they did an explosion they would just you know mat in an explosion, but I, you can see if you slow that down that that cake explodes with them around it, 
and then they do a cut and have everybody messed up. But those people got hit by flying bits of whatever that cake was made out of. <laughs> bits of stage. Hey prop. George, that woman that's in the how many movies? Oh yeah, uh, and, uh, the the cast of these things are they're full of all these really great um, uh, character great actors. People, man. Yeah, like Vernon Dent and uh, and and that lot. The 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 woman who plays Vernon Dent's wife, her name is Bess Flowers. And looking her up, she was in over 700 <laughs> movies. Is there enough hours? I mean, did you do the math on that? That's amazing. Movies. Um, that is absolutely astounding. The director, know? the director Del Lord, directed over 200 films. For them, or just no, in general? Amazingly all, enough, Del Lord does not get enough credit for being a great director. You know, you just don't read a lot of critical essays about Del Lord as a director. But Never this man his name. Was, a, was an incredible craftsman when it came to comedy. Yeah, he was one of their, because he did 40 of their films, 40 films for the Stooges, and most of the others are also two real shorts, different Columbia people. And uh, and his are often very very good, you know, and very tightly done, and, and have good good endings, which is always an important thing. I have to say, I didn't like the movie. What what did entertain me was going back and and, and watching some of the segments and, and frame by frame, you know, yeah. moving forward still. That that was perhaps the way that I enjoyed the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, tell we, me now. We talked about the hey, fact that Nikki, yeah. most women don't like these. <laughs> that's what I was right. going to say. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, that's it, the consensus that I've always read. Yeah. That they, and they, why you know, is that? The greatest well, minds in psychology have tried to figure out why women don't like. I, I got a little men bit. Do. I got a little bit of an answer today. I was talking to uh, one. We of don't our, need the greatest minds in psychology. We have George Wilman. <laughs> oh, uh, we have one of our um, our nitrate film specialists. I was talking to this morning, uh, Robin Schnellenberger. I asked her, you know, what what do you think of the Three Stooges, or what you know, what is your impression of Three Stooges? And she said, Oh, I liked them when I was a kid, but then I grew up. <laughs> So it yeah, kind of comes to the point of like, well, that's just it. <laughs> Women grow up and men don't. And that's why they like the I Stooges. I still go to Three Stooges parties. Some of my <laughs> you some do of not. Those, those prominent friends that I have, they're, they're very rich and very famous, have Three Stooges parties in their theaters. They're, they can't wait to show off Three Stooges shorts in their marvelously expensive theaters they have in their homes. We have been talking about an ache in every steak. We're going to be wrapping up on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Ultimately, uh, the first... The first difference of opinion in this uh, in, in the filmically perfect uh, canon, if you will, on this day. But still, I will admit I did laugh many times. I did, no doubt about that's, it. That's that's the only that's thing that film exists for. Then. Isn't that big of that's me? It. <laughs> you know, it's not to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> no, it isn't. But it is a perfect film. It is All a right. Film. If I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. I guess. I mean, really, when we go through it, it does. Uh, if we grant the first premise, which I'm not sure I do. Um, if if we were to, then it does perfectly uphold the rules. And uh, hey, if you would like to learn a little bit more about this thing that we call filmically perfect and the perfect movies, please stop by the web and uh, check out these gentlemen's website. It's perfectmovie.net. We would also love to get your feedback. Love to hear a little something what's on your mind. What do you think of an ache in every steak? Yeah, uh, time up. Let us know if you think it's a perfect film, folks. And if there are any female Stooges fans out there, I know of two. That's right. We want to know I know of two. So if there's any, please drop us a line. Let us know you're out there. Maybe there's three. Let's let's find (laughs) out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Right to filmguys at perfectmovie.net. That's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Or, of course, stop by the WYSO website, wyso.org. There's a link right there on the page to Filmically Perfect on this fine public radio station. Check us out. Just 30 seconds left. Jay Todd, thanks for joining us uh, through a great it's distance my today. my pleasure, Nikki Dakota. An ache in every steak today. Do we get a little uh, tip of the uh, the cards to what we're going to do next week? Yes. Hit it, George. Next week is our salute to global warming. Yes. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, Douglas Trumbull's film Silent Running. Ooh. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.